Okay, we finally made it here to episode six. We're done talking about all the other stuff with races <laughs> and the continents. I, I'm assuming we'll talk about the continents more, but we're done talking about the races. And now we actually get to start start it, words, words talk about the story. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the primals today, right, Cody? Yes. There's a big question, right? The heck is a primal? So, all right, here, here's your here's the gist, right? A primal is just a living manifestation of the summoner's will. So the summoner being whoever summoned the primal? Mm-hmm. That can be from something as minor as a carbuncle or a fairy to something as major as Bahamut himself. Oh, okay. So kind of you were talking about the carbuncles being kind of having a will of their own, but mainly being crafted from ether by their mm-hmm. summoner. Primals are just that, but they can also be on a way bigger scale. Yes, significantly larger. Okay, gotcha. Well, how do we even start looking at these guys? <laughs> so, so way, way back, right when Eorzea was a, a burgeoning place, and the 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 various races started coming here, they started competing with the indigenous people for resources and land. They began calling these indigenous peoples uh, beast men because they're sort of less than humanoid appearances a lot of the time, Hmm. coupled with this view of their cultures as being more simple and primitive. Oh, okay. And this, uh, this sort of led to the beast tribes being kind of pushed back because they really weren't ready for all out war with a whole bunch of randos. Right. Of course. And the beast tribes were then approached. <clears throat> I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot because I was sick recently, but... It's all right. They, they were approached by these mysterious masked men. And they said, we can help you push these people back. We know a way to make your gods manifest. Oh just a, it's a aren't you tired of getting pushed back don't you just want to go ape shit <laughs> so who are these masked people so they call themselves the Asians. they are a major player in the entire storyline up to now and i will be discussing them in depth later Okay, so they they get their hands into a lot of different things. Oh, very much so. They they sort of define the storyline to this point. Gotcha. Now, at this point, we're looking at well, this point being talking about the primals, not the story. Mm-hmm. With the beastmen, you've got these. I'm assuming tribalistic groups of people that are really behind on technology. You know, and- it varies. But carry on. Really? Oh, okay, another surprise for later, I guess. <laughs> so, so group of the Asians come in, say, "Hey, you believe in these gods? We can make them real." Mm-hmm. There, there's only one answer for that, I guess, huh? Yeah, the answer is hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's go on a crusade. Yeah. So all it takes to summon a primal, and this is true for all primals, it doesn't matter who's summoning it. 
doesn't matter what the primal is, all it takes is belief. Generally, this is a lot of fervent prayer or um, like a, a sort of mythos behind them. You'll find a lot of primals are mythological beings. Um, so mm. that they have multiple people believing in them. And oh. ether. Lots of ether. Okay, so it's not just one person that's able to summon this. It takes a collective of, I guess, spirits all working in tune to, to get that ether in form. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So the Beastmen, despite being able to channel ether themselves, they can't contain enough ether within themselves to summon a primal. So what they do is they collect crystals. And... Eorzeans do this too. They, they, they don't use them for primals, but they do collect crystals. The, the crystals are just crystallized ether, and they're used to power machinery or even things as simple as cook. You know, instead of having flint and tinder, you just take a little shard of a fire crystal and throw it into some wood. Oh, and also, like, with the, uh, the cover art that we have, the transportation crystals. Yes, the etherites, those are just teleportation magics. It's just there. So is it the similar kind of thing that we talked about with the gunbreakers where you cast a spell into the bullet where this time you're casting a spell into the crystal? Or is it a naturally occurring thing? Crystals are a naturally forming thing. I, I don't know if they were always there, but they were definitely there after a meteor happened, after the fall of Dalamud. Okay. But they, they aren't really spells in themselves. They're more of just raw mana. Mm-hmm. So they're consumed as a reagent for things rather than being the thing itself. Okay, gotcha. More, more of that primeval state of being for Aether. Yes. So, you know, the Beast Tribes, they said, let's do it. Let's start summoning our primals. But this came at a cost. See... Primals are not exactly a one-for-one recreation of the being that they are trying to summon. So let's take the Amalja, for example. They're a sort of lizard folk race. Their primal is Ifrit, Lord of the Inferno. I briefly played through a little bit of FF14. That's the the first primal that you come up against, right? Yes, sir. Okay big red horned angry boy so he is their patron deity right but when they summon him because they're summoning him in a time of desperation and war he's sort of tainted by that emotion in their summoning so he comes out being brutal and and fierce and even angrier than he may have been in their initial myth oh So the summoner's state of mind can very easily impact the summon itself. And I'm guessing that most of the time, whenever you're summoning, it's not because you're in a pleasant state state of mind. Absolutely not. Okay, I I can see where this is going. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Ifrit's pissed and he wants to go to war. But what Ifrit also wants to do is preserve himself. You see... Summons can't exist, these primals, they can't exist on their own. 
they consume ether passively to maintain their physical forms. Oh, you know, okay, that that makes sense because they're a collective of ether being brought together. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the the outer layer of uh, of an onion being peeled off constantly, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, much like ogres, primals have layers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so once these guys are summoned, they have to maintain that form by consuming all this ether, and. They can do it passively by just drawing the ether from the land around them, but having people to channel that ether into you helps. So primals want worshippers. Oh, okay, okay. So what they'll do is instead of just being like, you know, oh, it's me, your lord and savior, you know, I'm, I am Ifrit, worship me, they don't give you a choice. They have this mechanic known as tempering. And the, the, the gist of it, from my understanding, is that everyone is composed of ether, right? Like, down to your soul, you are composed of ether. Yeah, right. And, say, Ifrit is the lord of the inferno. He controls fire. So what he'll do is he'll just reach into your soul and just slightly tilt it towards the aspect of fire so now that your soul is a your soul is a little more fire aligned he can control you oh i thought he was just gonna make you explode with that no because if he kills you then you know you're you're not there anymore and you can't keep channeling he wants you alive right okay so it's not through fear that these people are following him after after they summon him, it's just out of the manipulation that these that these primals can induce. Mm-hmm. They're essentially gods, so the, the people don't have a choice. Right. Now, real quick, when we were talking about the white mages and the healing, mm-hmm. you had described the healing as just pumping ether, you know, from you into the person that you're healing. Yes. And you could die if you did that too much. Mm-hmm. So do you have people that are just dropping dead after bringing in a primal into existence? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, the, there have been summonings that come at the, the cost of the life of their summoners. Mm. It's not often, because usually they'll summon with um, crystals, enough crystals that they can bring the primal to life without losing their lives, but we have seen cases of uh, Titan being summoned, the primal of the kobolds, where okay. they couldn't get enough crystals. So they started just sacrificing kobolds to summon Titan. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. Mm-hmm. It, it's really bad. That, that whole storyline is like actually tragic. I have to imagine having the ether ripped out of you does not sound pleasant. It sounds agonizing to have your soul pulled out of you like that. Yeah, I I don't know if it would if it would hurt or if it would just like you would just, you know, pass out and then cease to exist. I feel like it's got to be a mental thing. Like you mm. you feel have you ever had those moments whenever you're just kind of sitting there in the park or at the mall or something and you just have this moment where you're like whoa hold on 
and it's almost like this out of body experience, but you're still in your head and you're just like almost woozy. And it's like your brain isn't perceiving the things around you. Right. Mm. Yeah. That, that would make sense. <laughs> maybe I'm just a freak if you haven't done that. <laughs> maybe I was just tired at work one day. <laughs> no, disassociation is one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> but maybe it's like that where you just feel that disassociation becoming greater and greater. Oh, but then knowing what's going on, that would be so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's assuming you're not tempered already. If you were mm. tempered, then I suppose you might just welcome it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that if they already have that level of control over you. Yeah. So I use the term tempered uh, as a blanket, but technically each primal has its own term for their controlled Uh, Hmm. ifrit in particular is tempered but some others are leviathan being the drowned uh remu are the touched i actually don't know what they call uh titans Hmm. but supposedly all of them have a different name interesting the aorzeans are not the only ones who have encountered these primals and had to learn to fight them it actually has been a big problem for Garlemald, as they've been trying to push into Eorzea and take over, they've uh, been pushing into these beast tribes, and the beast tribes are summoning primals, and the Garleans are like, whoa, <laughs> not cool. Yeah, no, of course, I mean, you're walking around, you got your fakey fake gun blades, how are you going to beat a primal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can't beat a primal without taking massive casualties, not even just from dying in battle with the beast, but from having your own men tempered right in front of you. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. So one primal could easily change the flow of battle. How how do you beat a primal? So there are two real ways. One just throw bodies at them you just have to fight and win because if you fight and retreat the primal's just going to take all those people that he tempered and be stronger Mm. for it right right so it's very much a zap brannigan like you just have to go (laughs) until you win (laughs) ah the more men that i send the stronger he gets Quickly, he'll grow tired from growing too strong. Send more men. Exactly. Exactly. He'll get too strong and then he'll get lazy. (laughs) He'll be done. Easy. So the other way is there are certain people who are in possession of a... I want to call it a blessing, but it's more of just a mutation uh, called the Echo. And... The Echo does all kinds of things. Um, For the Warrior of Light, the Echo allows us to see into other people's memories. Oh. But for another member of our crew, uh, her name is Kryle, she has the ability to just understand languages. She can't speak it, but she can understand them. Okay, now, is this a similar thing to the Warrior of Light where Heidelin just bestows this thing onto somebody? Or is it just a random mutation, kind of like the off-brand of the hero that become white mages? Uh, so, like, this is a spoiler cast, but, you know, 
If you haven't done Shadowbringers, this is a thing in it. Bring it! It was initially believed that it was a gift from Hydaelyn. However, we have learned that it is something that's just innate in everyone. Some people oh. just haven't woken that power up yet. Okay, gotcha. So kind of like how there's ether in everybody, there's this other thing. Yeah, it's it's sort of a holdover from a major, major storyline event that I'm going hmm. to discuss in just a few episodes. So I'm many really promises you make, Cody. It. Oh, it's, it's, it is my favorite story arc in the entire game. <laughs> okay, so you're promising we'll get to that one at least. Two episodes. Maybe, maybe three. Maybe three. Soon. <laughs> soon. Soon. Soon, trademark. <laughs> yeah, soon, TM. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Garlemald, though, they've encountered these primals, right? They don't call them primals. Uh, the Garleans are atheists. They don't believe in deities. Uh, hmm. So they call them icons. Oh. Yeah. They sort of want to deny them that, like, regal status of being, like, a, a primal force. They're just like, nah, you're just an image. Right, and a, an embodiment embodiment of the, the, the physical manifestation of ether. You know, we've already done that. This is nothing new. Yeah, though it is kind of hilarious to picture these guys marching in somewhere, watching a, a beast made of flame mind controlling their men you know summoning fire from nowhere and just being like no 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 no, you're not real <laughs> it reminds me of that that oni uh cartoon with ff7 nah he just looks big <laughs> yeah, we'll exactly. show him <laughs> exactly they're just it's very much if i don't believe in you you can't hurt me right that, that's where they're going with this if only the summoner believed that <laughs> So, you know, we, I think from here, you, you essentially just understand what primals are. They're very simple. Yeah, and I, I can see how there's a lot of variety between them, and there's, it sounds like, no limit to what they can be. Yeah, not at all. By the current point in the story, there are 49 primals. That's a lot of primals. There's a lot of primals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's just, you know, go through them. Let's talk about some interesting ones. Let's do it. Yeah, I only know about Ifrit. Yeah, so, all right, let's 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 start, say, the big three, the, the normal first three you encounter. These are like your baby mode primals. You've got Ifrit, Titan, and Garuda. Baby mode primals. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you'll see when we get into them later that... The, the power differential between these primals is insane. Oh, okay, okay. So you've got, say, you know, Ifrit, Lord of the Inferno. He's just a red, flamey guy, uh, summoned by the Amalja. They're weird lizard boys. Um, I, I can show you an Amalja. Yeah. I used to think they were called Amalja. But uh, it's actually pronounced in the story now. They're called Amalja. Oh, you gotta hate whenever you're so ingrained to call them one name. It's like a <laughs> year and a half later and you're corrected with reality. Yeah, though the guy who says it does have a bit of an accent, so he calls them Amalja. 
Oh, okay, so maybe it's the accent. You could technically still be right. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I need to hear one of them pronounce their own race. <laughs> right, that true would, to that form. Would sell it. Wow, so, so these look like ironclad warriors with armor that they're wearing. Yeah, but that's just their skin. Oh, so they've just got like onyx black skin. Oh, huh? yeah, absolutely. They live in uh, southern Fanalan down in the desert area. And, and it's just, you know, fierce heat and heat and heat and heat. That's what lives down there. <laughs> I guess. Maybe their skin is just so thick that they can deal with it. I mean, these guys are really bulky and muscular, oh, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. So definitely. maybe that's got something to do with it. So the other one, Titan. He is the Lord of Crags. Titan looks like a giant sumo wrestler. Yeah, this is, this is Titan. <laughs> this is Titan. Whoa! <laughs> so yeah, he's he got looks arms like... down to his knees, and he's just all bulk. He's just like a really big Goron from the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got. <laughs> That's what he's gonna do. He's gonna eat a rock and then throw you out of the ring and then destroy <laughs> your city. <laughs> Titan. One of Titan's attacks is actually called Mountain Buster. <sighs> So he he's actually regarded. This is an example of how the 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 times of summoning the the emotion can infect a, a primal's being. He's uh-huh. regarded as being a gentle and fatherly figure to the kobolds. Oh, yeah, these little guys, these little rats. He does not look it. Oh, those are rats. Yeah, little rats. I was men. expecting D and D kobolds, but. These are more like Skaven from Warhammer Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so fatherly. Now, he does not look fatherly in this image. He looks no, very, very mean. angry. <laughs> so how did that happen with the summoning? It's it's really just that they're being forced out of their lands by the people of Limsa Laminsa. Oh, the the pirate folk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. they're competing with resources there, and and it's just desperation. This is just the thing. So hold on, what happens with the story with Titan then? Because it sounds like there's not really a winner here if these if the kobolds weren't really bothering anybody else before you know Mensa Lamensa came onto their area. As of right now. We've actually brokered peace with all of the Aorzean beast tribes. Really? It finally happened, yeah. Courtesy of the Warrior of Light? Pretty much. Okay. So ideally there won't be any more major summonings, um, but that strife will, you know, still exist. The, the factions that are already tempered, um, mm. they, they'll still exist, but they probably won't be getting as many new members. So primals they can control those who have been tempered but is that only whenever they're in this realm of existence in Heidelin? can they still influence people once they've been i guess unsummoned yes the once they've been unsummoned the tempered's primary goal is to summon them again gotcha that's really interesting so it's Almost like looking at the, the the cosmic scale of ether. You've got primals being summoned in, into existence. They're taken out, but it, it's 
native state is wanting to exist. It's it's like uh, electrons on the outer uh, thing on the 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 scale or the yeah. Uh, yeah yeah with the bonds and whatnot. How yeah. they want to have that certain like eight on the outside. Yeah, I bet that's how ether works. I mean, maybe we we understand it, a lot about ether. So, well, in the sense of it wanting to have form or mm. something like that. Yeah, there there seems to be a neutral that ether really wants to reach. So it wouldn't shock me at all if there was also stuff like that of ether just being like, I I want to be this. Mm-hmm. Now you had mentioned the third one from the <laughs> the baby primals. Yes, that would be Garuda. Uh, Lady of the Vortex. So she is one of the female primals, or female in appearance. I suppose primals don't exactly have genders. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like there's much of a purpose of that. Oh, she's like a harpy. Yes, she is batshit insane. (laughs) How do you mean? Half of her dialogue is just maniacal cackling. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a harpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I, I just thought, actually, when you were talking about Beastmen, I was thinking that they were all going to be like the, the first ones that you see where it's all like lizard people. Oh, but no. it's it's like just different animal people. Oh, yeah. There's a huge variety to them. Like the the ones who summon Garuda, uh, these guys, these are known as the Ixel. And hmm. the the Ixel are sort of featherless, flightless birds. Oh, but I see. They, they've got feathers on their elbows and forearms. Mm-hmm. The Ixel are a really interesting tribe. Yeah, they look kind of like uh, dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, they're like raptors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there are beast tribe quests where you will reach out to a friendly faction within them and, and do quests for them and build your reputation. Mm-hmm. The Ixel quest lines involve building airships because they say we can't fly naturally, so we're gonna build airships so we can go to our home in the clouds. Oh, they believe that they their civilization has this lost land that exists in the sky that oh. they can go back to. So they essentially build hot air balloons, <laughs> and they're going on a pilgrimage. And they're going and hot on a pilgrimage. <laughs> that's a really though. cool story it actually exists oh really yes but but it is not what they believed it was and it oh. comes with some really bad implications for the ixel oh boy some like uh existential dread from reaching that location Oh, boy. okay, so it almost like the Icarus story. Maybe they flew too close to the sun yeah, early on. maybe some things were better left to legend. Right, right. Those guys are fighting with the Ishgardians. They live up north. Okay. Yeah, up gotcha. in the cold. Now, when, when we're looking at the Beast Tribes, I have to admit, I, I after looking at all these differences with them, not really sure what the distinction is between them and say the Rothgar or mm. like, you know, e- even the, um, the Viera other than they're just more tribalistic. And they're not even necessarily more tribalistic. 
mm. I feel like a lot of their culture wouldn't be necessarily that different than, say, Hellsguard Rugadin or uh, even the Wildwood Viera. Like, you know, they're just... The, the Viera of the Wood are just reclusive, violent towards outsiders. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the Eorzeans were just a little bit racist, and we're using <laughs> this in order to unite people against them so that they could steal their resources. You're telling me that the, the analog for humans, the Hure, have the potential to be racist? <laughs> no, you don't, you're breaking my heart, Cody. <laughs> you know, maybe we weren't really on the up and up going into Eorzea. There's a little smidge colonization here. <laughs> just a sprinkle for flavor just a touch <laughs> you gotta have that spice in life you know oh, yeah yeah just a course. little bit of racism of course i i'm glad to see that the hero of light or the the warrior of light is on the up and up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so these guys are the first three you encounter right mm. um and they're they're pretty normal in the story they, they're introduced they're defeated whatever they're all like violent aggressive it's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Later on, we meet some of the the different kinds. Take Ramu, the Lord of Levin. This man is ninety percent beard. He is he controls lightning. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> you were kidding about ninety percent beard. Yeah, Ramu is more beard than man. His beard looks like a giant tumor covering his body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is the patron of the sylphs, these little flying cabbages. <laughs> so just to make sure, he, he he is a primal, right? Yeah, he's a primal. Okay, so the sylphs brought him into yep. existence? Uh, it's, it's a weird one, right? <laughs> they're, they're just cabbage. So the interesting thing about this is that Ramu was summoned by the Sylphs, not who wanted conquest or revenge, but they just wanted to be left alone. Mm. So as a result, Ramu is much more like chill and diplomatic than the other primals. Oh, almost like an elemental. It's like, I've got rules. Yeah. You follow them or else. Pretty much. He will not temper people willingly. Mm. He is not creating new followers. Uh, There are people who will be tempered by him accidentally, just by getting too close. Mm. But he's not willingly trying to be expansionistic like that. Right, right. And again, it's all just because the Sylph didn't have that mindset when they summoned him. Right. We actually have a fairly lengthy conversation with Ramu. Uh, We do fight him, but we don't fight him out of anger. We fight him because he's like, the things I'm going to tell you are like powerful knowledge that could shape the future of the realm. And I want to make sure that you are capable of using this knowledge for good. Right, right. So he tests you. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Through combat, uh, trial, oh, yeah. trial by death. Yes. His, his um his ultimate attack is called Judgment Bolt. 
So it's really just him being like, I'm going to strike you with lightning, and that's somehow a judge of your character. <laughs> Let's do the coin toss removal. Let's see if I'm worthy. <laughs> so, so he's pretty powerful, though. Very much. There is a bit of a hierarchy within them. Like, if a primal, or if you are tempered by a primal, and another primal shows up that is more powerful than the other one, they can essentially just take you. They oh. they can overturn that tempering. I was just about to ask what happens if you have two trying to temper you. Yeah, like Ifrit, Titan, and Garuda are pretty much on the same level. But if you compared them to someone as like Bahamut, you wouldn't stand a chance. Oh no! Speaking of Bahamut, mm. are are you saving him for last, or or can we I talk about him now? That going, I'll I'll talk about him for sure. But I I want to save the deep dive for him for when we talk about uh, Project Meteor. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, but the the gist of Bahamut is that he was summoned out of anguish after he the original bahamut was slain so original bahamut not being a primal the original bahamut was a very real dragon oh and that's why bahamut looks like a dragon mhm and he was slain and summoned by his consort out of anguish and a lot of misinformation and he has been hell-bent on raising everything to ash since. Wow. He's known as the Dreadworm. So he basically created a, what sounds like a new style of primal, a, a new genre. He is actually referred to as an Elder Primal. I knew it! Uh, elder Primals, there are a few, are primals that were summoned in ages past that are not contemporary to Eorzea and continue to exist. Oh, even outside of being summoned, they continue mm -hmm. to exist. Yes. So we have a few uh, a few of those, like Bahamut, uh, Eureka is one, uh, Odin. Uh, you've <laughs> probably seen Odin in Final Fantasy before. I don't think I have, no. Interesting. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about him. I love Odin. Yeah, well, well, can you pull up a picture for me? Of Odin? Yeah, sure. So his appearance varies based in different games, but he has very a few major similarities. Okay. Uh, namely, he rides uh, Slepnir. Oh, uh, that, that's not Nordic like I was expecting. <laughs> no, he very much never is. But he, he rides his horse, Slepnir, he carries a spear, Gongnir, and the other thing that makes him separate is his sword. His sword is not Nordic at all. His sword is named Zantetsuken. <laughs> Sounds a little on the Japanese side, maybe. <laughs> Zantetsuken translates into Slashing Iron Sword. While we're talking about his looks, he almost looks like he's wearing dragoon armor, just with like a really like a, a halo sword helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll just talk about Odin. Um, yeah, let's do it. Odin, known as the Dark Divinity, he is a a roaming primal. He just wanders around sometimes in the Twelves Wood. 
he'll Wait, just is this the guy that's up. in the cinematic? Yes. Oh, gotcha. He's the one in the Realm Reborn cinematic where he swings his sword and the trees part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing about Odin. The man on the horse is not the primal. It's the horse. No, it's the sword. Oh, oh really? Yes. So there's another elder primal named Eureka. Uh, Eureka creates weapons, and wielders of those weapons become tempered. So Odin is oh. essentially a sub-primal to another primal. Right. Now, okay, so it's almost like an Arthas as the Lich King kind of thing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, now, hold on. Now, does Odin align under Eureka because he was made from him, or does he have his own free will? Um, Odin is extremely mysterious. I actually don't know what his, like, motives are. To be fair, it's a tough question, too, because it seems like with primals in general, it's it's hard to gauge what their will is, if, or if it's free, you yeah. know? Absolutely, because he we don't know what they're after most of the time. They just exist for a goal. Right, it's its more like, what did the summoner want with Exactly. Them? And I have no idea what Eureka wants. Yeah, I guess it depends on who summoned Eureka, maybe? Yeah, there is a storyline involving Eureka, uh, but I've never done it, so I have no idea. Uh, the wiki says that the primal Eureka was created by an unknown people. Oh, maybe one of those ancient civilizations. Yeah, may have been. But it creates these weapons, and the weapons make people into demi-primals, I guess would be the way to put it. So there's more than Odin. Mm-hmm. What others do we have? Eureka has created five that we know of. Uh, Odin, Art, and Owain. Their weapons are known as Ostraltok and Moraltok. A beast known as Raiden that wields the Shin Zentetsuken, uh, which is, I believe Shin is true. So it would be like the true Zentetsuken. Okay, right, right. Absolute Virtue, which wields a weapon known as the Virtuous Lance. And Proto-Ozma. Ozma is a weapon of mass destruction. Oh. Yeah. So your Eureka was having a bad day. Yeah. Ozma <laughs> is a a floating black hole that can consume basically anything into a sort of pocket dimension within itself. Oh, literally just a black hole then. Yeah. So it, it was unleashed, uh, or not proto-Ozma, but Ozma was unleashed... Uh, during the War of the Magi, actually. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, Proto-Ozma, is that like a contained version of the Black Hole? I want to say Proto-Ozma is probably just the original, and the Ozma is just a an image of Ozma. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. So, Ozma would be a primal, or a, an illusion of it, 
maybe created by something else. I'm actually not sure where that came from, but we will talk about it eventually oh, in the God, War yeah. of the Magi episode. <laughs> just, just like with the races, man. I feel like I've got to have a spreadsheet and a diagram of like, all right, so you got this guy. He's a primal. This guy's a representation of this guy's will. Yeah, it's it's that always sunny meme with the, the <laughs> wall of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that. Pepe Sylvia. Yeah, it's that. It's that. <laughs> exactly. So just, just to touch on odin for a second before we leave because i love odin so much Mm -hmm. when you fight him you fight him in a fate which is just a world event and okay if you fail to kill him in time he will use zentetsuken which will just slice everything in half and it is instant death to anyone who's in the the area (laughs) okay gotcha but should you win Whoever actually deals the killing blow to Odin, the next time Odin appears, he will have their name. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so the implication being that the player who beats him takes up the sword and becomes the next Odin. Oh, man, that's really cool. Yeah, I love it. Also, I love that... that sidesteps you know some some canon that i don't, I don't know a weird guy's name like bootlicker supreme <laughs> became odin or something yes absolutely and he could be a lalafel <laughs> yeah. it could just be a really tiny odin on a big horse the sword's three times his length mm-hmm. yeah the, the sword's cool too when it's sheathed it's just the hilt but when you draw it the blade like manifests out of nowhere oh man that's yeah. so cool it's really cool so it's almost like whenever it's sheathed, Odin ha- is unsummoned, and then as it's drawn, it's he's being summoned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that could be it, It's almost like a, a, a workaround from the traditional method. Yeah. It, is there anything like that with the other ones made by Eureka, where th- there are just unique things about the weapon and how they're drawn or how they're manifested? Uh, Shin's and Tetsuken is the same, uh, but I don't know about the other ones. Oh, okay. I, I believe the virtuous lance is just a lance. <laughs> That'd be funny if there was uh, somebody crazy strong like Go- Gosetsu, who he's just such a good warrior that people start thinking, wait, hold on. Is it him or is it his weapon? <laughs> just make your own legend like that. Yeah, go for it. Hey, he, look, he, if you become a big it. enough legend, you might just become a primal yourself someday. If anyone could do it, I bet that would be Gosetsu. Or the Warrior of Light. No, 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 no. What, what have they ever done? <laughs> <laughs> so just to keep like climbing up the, the ranks of primals here, there's another one that I really love. Alexander, the Iron Colossus. Oh. Alexander. Let me, let me find a good image of this guy for you, because I love Alexander. Um, one of my favorite primals. He is the primal of the goblins. <laughs> it's such an odd name for the goblins to, to summon. Particularly not just the goblins, but a faction of the goblins known as the Illuminati. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Illuminati. They, they, it's a weird thing. In English, they call them the Illuminati. In Japanese, they just call them the Blue Hand. 
Oh, okay, so it's just supposed to be like a secret organization. I the, yeah, I think the the English devs were just having a bit of fun calling them the <laughs> Illuminati. Right. Alexander is a primal that controls time. Whoa. Which is incredibly powerful. Um, now, uh, hold on. So talking about the goblins being the ones that summoned him, and, and just thinking about Ifrit being a fire primal, is there anything that dictates what the primal's power comes from? Not that I'm aware of. I feel like it's only limited by their their imagination. Huh. Gotcha. So this is Alexander. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, it's like a titan! Yeah. Whoa! He, he's straight up a castle. <laughs> no, hold on. He was made by goblins. Mm -hmm. Is he, in reality, teeny, teeny, tiny? No, he's massive. Oh, okay, so, that's just as good. Th this is him from Final Fantasy IX. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's in multiple games. Uh, that's Bahamut in the foreground. Alexander is a big boy. Whoa, he's he's even more intricate than the titans that you see from Warhammer 40k. This thing is crazy. <laughs> he does why, feel like a Warhammer thing. Why does he have wings? Because he uses holy magic. <laughs> Can he fly? I mean, maybe. I've never seen him fly, but I'm not going to tell that thing it can't fly. So the goblins made this. Yeah, so the, the goblins summoned Titan as a, a a way to create their perfect world. They're like, we want to make a world that exists only for the goblins. But here's the fun thing about Alexander. Alexander's a bit of a machine, right? So he, right. he comes to, he starts controlling time and messing with stuff uh, to make this perfect world for the goblins. But... You mentioned, you know, I mentioned how primals consume ether to just exist. Right, yeah. He consumes so much ether that if left unchecked, he will destroy Heidelin herself. <laughs> so, so it's almost like he's a black hole for ether. Mm -hmm. And Ty, uh, uh, Alexander, looking at this, goes, hmm, the goblins summoned me to make a perfect world. If I exist, I end the world. Therefore, the perfect world is one without me in it. So he just goes and erases himself? He basically engineers a series of events for the Warrior of Light to defeat him. <laughs> He's a self-defeating villain. It's great. Wow. So, I'm just so confused by him. I have so many questions. Like, why does he use time magic? Uh, because that's just Alexander, man. <laughs> so nonsensical. I love it. Yeah. Just like, he's made out of like 50 towers and he's, he's just massive. Mm -hmm. But then he was made by goblins. Yeah. Where did they even get that much ether? That's an excellent question. I don't know. The goblins are shown to be ruthlessly competent and also very eccentric. Maybe the goblins, kind of like the Lalafell, uh, have the ability to hold a ton of ether inside of them. <laughs> so th Shoot. this is, just to give you an idea, this is a goblin in FF14. Oh, 
Oh, he's a little thing. He's so he's so cute. They they wear these full body suits and a gas mask that they stuff the front with a bunch of of herbs and whatever because apparently Aorzean air isn't very good to them. What are are they some subterranean species or something? Probably. I I don't actually know where they're from. Because that wouldn't happen naturally. Okay, I'm making the call. They're either subterranean or they were cursed. Like the, um, <laughs> or the, uh, stabby boys. So what's really interesting about them, too, is that the goblins are not, like, hated or reviled among, among Eorzeans. Mm. The goblins are welcome in, like, all major cities. Huh. They're just bros. They, they like to travel. They like to trade. They like to tinker. They're, they're just really cool little guys. Yeah, that's right. But really the Illuminati neat. are dicks. <laughs> so the Illuminati being, I guess, almost like the, the tempered goblins? Yeah, I guess. Though we never really see Alexander temper people. Maybe it was a time thing. Maybe they always were. <laughs> They've always been tempered. Actually, that could be it. Maybe they summon him like 500 years from now, and he does his time magic to make them tempered now. Uh, That is entirely possible. That's Okay, (laughs) it's probably explained in the Alexander storyline, but it has like four timelines that that twist up together, and I... It lost me. Oh, okay. I'd have to go, like, play through it again to understand the exact (laughs) interactions. Well, it's nice that it lets you actually go back through those again, though. Mm, yeah, we have a New Game Plus system in an MMO, of all things. Like, <laughs> what? This is an awesome MMO, man. I've, <laughs> I've got to take a look at this again. So just just to, to wrap us up, how about a little palate cleanser? Okay. We've been talking about all these super serious primals, you know, lords of war and lightning and fire. Let's talk about the Moogles. <gasps> he said the thing. <laughs> the uh, the Moogles, they have their own primal. What? Yeah. Good King Moggle Mog the 12th. Oh, yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. His his theme is just a... It, not. I'm not even going to call it thinly veiled. It, it is a blatant homage slash ripoff of this is halloween (laughs) and it will get stuck in your head forever which is why i'm not going to link it to you Mm, okay so i get to do that immediately after we finish yes you'll have to look that up yourself so what does he look like a big ass moogle I mean that's it. Like, He's just like Moogle. there that is that is good King Moggle Mog and his his knights. He's not even gigantic. He's just a big Moogle. He's pretty big when compared to the Warrior of Light. He, he's like like I'm a Rugadan and he's like two of me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a big Moogle. Okay, so gosh, what's what's the purpose of him? Why did they bring him in? So I believe that the Mughals were worried about the threats to the the Twelveswood and just how the the world was becoming dangerous. 
And they met this masked stranger and that he was like, you know who would protect you? Good King Mog. (laughs) So the Mughal's guard summon Good King Mog. But while Good King Mog was originally described as being, you know, really kind and benevolent, the primal version of him does have this need to consume primal or to consume ether. Uh, right, so he yeah. he does wind up uh, becoming a threat to the Twelves Wood itself. Oh yeah, I bet that place is just chock full of ether. Yeah, but here's the thing: he's defeated. He is actually defeated not by the Warrior of Light, and the uh, the the Mughals guard get mad, and they actually summon him again, and he's really strong. Because right? this time they were mad when they summoned him. Oh, yeah. So what happens then? Uh, we beat him again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you just got to take out the Mughal's guard, then just take him out root and stem. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, he, he does have a, a finale move, if you fail to kill him in time, called Memento Mughal. Uh, that will just instantly kill you. He's so precious, though, and he's got a little chocobo on his staff. Yeah, and the whole time you're fighting him, you're, you know, you're fighting his Mog's guard, and they're doing, like, Moogle things, but they're making their little Koopo noises the whole time. <laughs> uh, and, and they all have, like, names that are very Moogly. What? Okay, hold on. What mandates a Moogly name? <laughs> so... His Mog's guard, let's just say the paladin, the the one with the shield. His name is Whiskerwall Koopty Koop. <laughs> it's like a cat name. The the black mage is named Puklapuki, the palm burner. Oh, <laughs> oh these are so precious. Yeah, I love them, and these they they all adorable. represent the base classes of the game, and they they'll they'll kill the shit out of you <laughs> that fight's really dangerous oh man okay so the moogles are nothing to mess around with huh yeah but that's you know he's he's the comic relief primal and he's still kind of deadly right that's it's a bit of a tragic story when you think about it you know the, these moogles who are generally very kind are just trying to make the world a, a little bit of a better place, but just from the innate nature of a primal needing to sustain itself, turns it into the villain. Mm. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, I mean, that's just the curse of, of existence for these beings. It, it's just what they are. Uh, well, little man is starting to get mad again. Oh, so I, I figure that's probably a good time for us to wrap up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have any questions about what you heard today, or if you want to hear about anything in particular going forward, shoot us a message. Reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us at Mage Man Dan or at Moogles and Mages. But Cody, thank you. Oh, he's really mad. Cody, thank you so much for bringing in the primals. We're finally getting yeah, into the meat and potatoes. There. Oh, these are fantastic, man. All right, thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Later.